Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. In his mind, he's gone from Carolina. KJZ, Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Alan Hahn with J. Will. Seth Greenberg joining us as well. Good morning, fellas. Oh, good morning, Seth. What are you doing there, my man? Uh, I'm wearing Carolina blue today. That's mm. nice. For Roy and for all the players that he's impacted over the course of his career, Seth. I, I got a chance last night to watch Marcus Page uh, deliver one of his senior night speeches. And I tell you, man, you know, I, I often find myself having conversations with my wife. Uh, and Seth, you and I have had a lot of conversations over the years about, you know, one day what I want to coach. And, you know, understanding the recruiting aspect of it, Alan, I, I, that, that's always the thing that deters me. But, like, understanding and being around Seth and seeing the impact he's had with some of his former players and that relationship, like, I, that's what I love about coaching. Like, I, I love that aspect. You get a chance to watch young adults grow and help guide them make decisions. And these are, these are things that are imprinted in their DNA for the rest of their life. Like, there's no way I'm able to recover after my accident that was by my own fault if I don't have the life lessons I've been taught for those three years I was at Duke under Coach K. There's no damn way I'm able to pick myself back up. There's no way even with Seth and my personal relationships that I've had with him doing college game day where he's mentored me and guided me through relationship issues. There's no way I am who I am today and my wife. You know, like it's this, this is how these guys are. And it just um, Yesterday was a sad day for me to see Roy left, uh, leave, but still understanding that his impact on that organization will be forever. You know, Jay, well, it's, it's interesting because we were both there watching Marcus Page uh, on his senior night. And I teared up on the thing because that's why I got into coaching. You see, like, everyone looks at the coaches today and looks at the million-dollar contracts and looks at, you know, where the stage that they're on and they think that's what everyone aspired to do. No one aspired to do that. I mean, you know, Roy Williams started selling calendars for Dean Smith running around all over the state, uh, you know, with North Carolina calendars. That's how he was able to feed his family. He didn't get into coaching for money. He got into coaching because he loved the game. And he loved everything about it in terms of mentoring young people, helping them get somewhere they couldn't get themselves, the relationships that last a lifetime, getting invited to a player's wedding, getting invited to uh, or getting a, 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 an announcement on having one of your former players having a child, seeing your players become better people, seeing them become husbands and fathers and growing up and being productive members of, of society. That's why you got into coaching. It wasn't about the money. And when I was sitting there listening to Marcus Page that day, uh, it got emotional because it made me miss what basically I did for a good portion of my life. Because, you know, you don't get that same satisfaction of mm-hmm. doing of doing this. But uh, Roy Williams did it at the highest level. But the business of college basketball, not basketball, not college basketball, not coaching, not teaching, but the business of college basketball, in my mind, drove him out of coaching. And it's sad because you don't have the same relationships. The transfer portal, one and done, uh, everything that's going on in our game, the uh, the lack of stability of your roster, the lack of time to develop those relationships is no longer a big part of the culture of college basketball. And I think that drove Coach out of it. And it's sad because we're losing a great coach, a better person, a, a tremendous mentor, and here's the thing, Jay, you, you lived it because you were down there all that time. Have you ever heard a player that played at Carolina for Roy Williams 
ever say anything but positive things about him. No. And we're having Danny Green come on later today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Danny talks about the fact that Roy was like a father to him. Yeah. Like a father to him. That's what coaches usually become for players. Yes. I mean, that's the relationship that, that you tend to have. And, and if I could just set it up here for you. And, again, you heard it in our, in our open. And, of course, we credit Westwood One NCAA Radio Network. Roy Williams stepping away after 33 seasons of coaching. Um, retiring from North Carolina, he led UNC to three NCAA championships in his 33 seasons as uh, a coach. 903 wins. 903 wins. Uh, he graduated from UNC, 18 seasons with the school as a coach, three NCAA titles, also five Final Four appearances, nine ACC regular season championships, three ACC tournament championships as well. 70 years old, he's the, uh, already in the Naismith Hall of Fame, which is no surprise. And, you know, when, when asked why now, why this was the time, it was an interesting response that Roy gave. Let's listen to that. Everybody wants to know the reason, and the reason is very simple. Every time somebody asked me how long I was going to go, I would always say, as long as my health allows me to do it. But deep down inside, I knew that the only thing that would speed that up, if I did not feel that I was any longer the right man for the job. I'm not going to say the best man, because I never thought I was the best at anything. But 15 years at Kansas, I thought I was the right man. And this time at North Carolina, I thought I was the right man. I no longer feel that I am the right man for the job. A lot of humility there in those words. But, Seth, when he says, I, don't, I no longer feel I'm the right man for the job, hmm. it can't be about X's and O's, can it? It has to be about something that's happening in the sport that you were just referencing. Yeah, it had nothing to do with X's and O's. I mean, like Roy Williams, the Carolina way uh, is alive and well. It, it, it's, it's timeless, uh, the style of play, the speed that they played with, how they made you react to them defensively. It's the business of college basketball. The business of college basketball has changed. It hasn't passed Coach by. He has a choice. Do you want to engage in the business of college basketball? Do you want to enter the, the transfer portal? Do you want to basically uh, – be seduced by one and done? Do you want to basically compromise your values? And I'm saying all coaches compromise values, but I'm talking about right now, you've got to re-recruit your team every single day. Every single day, or you know what? They're going to be up and gone, and they're going to go to the next place because kids don't want to fight through adversity. All right? They don't want to deal with waiting their turn and the quote-unquote process. Our sport has nothing to do with the process anymore. Roy Williams was about the process, developing players. You watched his big guys and how much better they got. You watched guards develop. He's been through three point guards in three years. Three point guards in three years. Nothing against it. But, I mean, the whole idea, the business of college basketball has changed. Uh, And it's not an old man, young man thing. It's a decision-making thing. It's a choice. Do you want to engage in the new world of college basketball? Because you know what? It's hard to coach players right now. It's hard to coach players hard right now. It's hard to have a standard. It's hard to have core beliefs and non-negotiables because if they don't align with, say, a player in your program as a freshman, there are so many voices in these kids' ears that are basically saying the grass is greener. Well, the grass isn't always greener. Seth, prime example of that? I mean, look at Jalen Johnson this year over at Duke, right? Like, you know, my freshman year, I got benched multiple times. My freshman year, I got challenged in front of all my teammates about maybe I wasn't good enough to be here. Hmm. If that happened in today's world, oh. I would have had so many people in my ear, well, 
go to Kentucky, go here. You can play 45 minutes here. Right. You're not going to have somebody to challenge you. And how you respond I – res- I was forced to respond to that. Yeah. Which, by the way, that's who I am every single day. Like, this show has been different for me doing radio 24-7. You know how many calls we have, Alan, yep. right? That's never been the case here. But if I don't have that mentality that I got challenged my freshman year, like, a part of me would just quit. Oh, that's too tough for me. I'm not built for this. But the way I see it now, I'm like, oh, you keep forging through. Keep getting better. I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to be relentless. Kids don't have that same kind of grip because they have too many options. That is something certainly that is not a new conversation. In fact, it was only yesterday that we had a terrific coach on, a guy who's had great success in a long time, who kind of echoed the same sentiments. We'll replay that for you as the the landscape of college basketball is shifting. We're going to tell you how that will impact coaching moving forward. That's all coming up after Jay has this from DraftKings. Grab your peanuts and popcorn. That's right, Alan. Baseball is back, and it started yesterday. Last year's season sure was different, but that doesn't mean it lacked excitement. And this year is poised to be even better. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a free shot at a share of millions of dollars in total prizes. Look, it's easy to play. Just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars throughout the course of the week. With millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code KJZ to get a free shot at a share of the millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code KJZ to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. North Carolina coach Roy Williams announced his retirement after 18 seasons coaching the Tar Heels. I feel very fortunate that we've had him for so long at such a high level. He's one of the great coaches in the game of basketball. This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. KJZ, pop your head to this. I know, I know you know who Big Pun is, Seth. Alan You're notorious. Hodge, you notorious B-E-R-G knows whoever it is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there he is. is. <laughs> as well. Hey, Jay Will. Yes. You know, I, I, I think it's nice that you're paying tribute to Coach Williams. I, I really do. I think it's a really nice thing. But do you understand the brotherhood in the next package of Duke gear that's coming to you is going to be minimized because of what you're wearing today? Mm. It, it's, um, I, I have to be honest with it. I, I'm secure, Seth, with where I'm at right now. You know I grew up a Tar Heels fan, right? I know. You wanted to go to Carolina one time, you, right? You know, like, I grew up, like, lowering my rim to five feet, thinking I could do the same dunks as Vince Carter and still not being able to accomplish the task. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, that was uh, – I'm okay with it. I, I think the fact that I have my jersey hanging in the rafters, I feel like I'm good at Duke. I, I can say that now. I feel secure in my position. Are you so. still – so you're, you're still going to get the A package of gear? It's probably going to be minimized to a degree, but I'm okay with that. I've, I've been collecting over the last 20 years. You don't need a credential when you walk in, right? Uh, actually, I've been, my yeah, right I've been kept at the door a couple of times. It's been quite embarrassing, but it Come happens. Come on now. It happens. Top flight security. Like Cameron, really? Top like flight you? security. You don't have like Seth that VIP entrance? Seth has seen it. We've been together for game day. He's, like, been igno- hey, hey, he's also like, been really? ignored yeah. on set. <laughs> <laughs> We won't go there. No, let's no. move on. I do that. want to hear the story, story for cocktails after of why the show. we chose Duke over North Carolina, but that's for another day. As 
Uh, again, really, it's more celebrating the career of Roy Williams, who retires uh, from UNC and, and does so with humility, but also does so kind of admitting that you just know when it's time to go. And it certainly isn't that he can't coach. And it certainly is that he doesn't have the energy to do it. There is more to it. Now, as we were discussing, the, the business is changing. And it was interesting how just a day ago, and we'll call this Straight Talk brought by Straight Talk Wireless, we talked to Tom Izzo from Michigan State uh, on various topics, and he I almost feel like he did it. He kind of brought us there in this conversation about how the game is changing from a coaching perspective and how it's the business of college basketball mm. when it comes to players and keeping your players has changed. Take a listen. I think nobody wants to go sit and pay their dues in any way, shape, or form. Mm. And and God bless them. I mean, if that's what they want to do, but but uh, you don't see the mega teams like Duke and Kentucky have had over the years. Um, now you see everybody wants to go, and they don't want to start as freshmen. They don't want to play as freshmen. They don't want to start as freshmen. They want to star as freshmen. I thought that was. I, you got to really hear that, that again. You got to hear that again. He said they don't want to. They don't want to just play as freshmen. They don't want to just start as freshmen. They want to star, star as freshmen. And if they don't, transfer portal, get me somewhere else where I can. It feels like we're microwaving now even development in, in that level, which that never used to be the case. Here's the deal on that. It, it, this is really simple. Uh, the league that you played in, Jay Will, is the most exclusive club. Unfortunately, every single guy that steps on a college campus that's recruited at a high level that goes to an elite program thinks it's a rite of passage. Hmm. Hmm. And quite honestly, the, 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 the journey there is a journey, not a destination. And to get there, there's a sacrifice you have to make, and there's a process you have to go through. There, there, hey, look, there are Zion Williamsons. There are Carl Anthony Towns. There are Jay Williams. All right? But you know what? Most of the guys don't even understand that the NBA is a league of role players. Most of the guys don't understand. They want, they want to be Michael Jordan day one. They want, to, they want to be the guy. It doesn't work that way. Like, figure out what you do well, embrace it, champion it, and you know what? That's going to be your way to get to the next level. But, you know, guys don't want to wait because if they don't get what they want, they feel they can get it somewhere else. They have no understanding. Like, you know, taking away – there are guys putting their names in a draft right now like what? Where do they? What do they think that just the NBA is a rite of passage? That all of a sudden, you know, I was a good, I was a pretty good high school player. I was a McDonald's All American. You know how many McDonald's All Americans never play in the NBA? You know how many guys that put their name in a draft early and you know maybe they're fortunate enough to go in the second round. It's not just getting to the NBA; it's staying in the NBA. Yes, it's p- uh, learning how to play with other good players. It's learning how to play hard. It's learning how to understand the game. And like we have a lack of patience in our society. We want a quicker cell phone. We want a quicker this. We want a quicker that. It doesn't work that way. And unfortunately, that's the messaging that everyone's getting. And you know what they're not getting? The value of an education. The value of being on a college campus. The ability to build a network so that when you know what? When the ball's taken away from you, there's a bridge that you can cross to live the rest of your life. Yeah, some guys are going to make it. Some guys are going to make it really big. And you know what? Most aren't. 98.9% of them aren't. So, like, I think we're losing track of it. And, and people say, well, they'll just go overseas. Uh, good luck. My brother's coached overseas for the last 15 years. It's not for everyone. Yeah, and no. the money's not what it used to be. It's there for a very 
few. And it's not as it's not as luxurious as you might think as well. That's no. straight talk by straight talk straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Jay, it's like we're in the era of the process, but that's only a team thing. Apparently players hmm. aren't really invested in the process. Well, I've said this before, the one and done era is, is done. Like and what I mean by that is the uh, assimilation of two or three guys who are one and dones being on the same team. I don't think we're going to see that anymore. Uh, that era is over because there's so much optionality now. If you have the NBA Academy, if you have overseas, if you have the NBA Developmental League, the G League, if you have Overtime Elite, there's all these different places where guys can go. Tom Izzo also said on our show yesterday that there's uh, so much more, you know, it, the league is spread out now when you think about the college parody. basketball. Yeah. Right? Parity. They're parity. Right. Thank you for the word. I was trying to find it. Couldn't find it, but you helped me find <laughs> I it. I got that's you. Point footprints, guards do. footprints. Footprints. Good You're carrying me. Uh, and that's why you see guys like Kate Cunningham go to Oklahoma State. You see a lot more of that parity in the game. But, you know, I just want to add to Seth's point. Like, I think that players should have optionality. This transfer portal thing, like, that's a major problem. That's the new one and done. It, it's a new <laughs> free agency right? model within college basketball because now you have like, you know, Kellen Grady, who was a big time player who played for Davidson now is playing for Kentucky, right? Like that, you wonder like, would Steph Curry have no stayed chance. at Davidson? No chance. There's no way Stephen Curry would have stayed at Davidson. Nope. Like they, you, so you have a lot of these smaller guys, like a guy like Max Aceman, who we talked about who plays for Oral Roberts. Is he being recruited by other? You're damn right. He probably is. Those dudes so, are being recruited right now. Jay will. So Paul Mills, who's the head coach. Wow. Seth is now saying, not only do I have to recruit the next kid coming in, but I have to re-recruit a kid like Max Aismas, who led the nation in scoring, who just came to this world of being in an NCAA tournament. Now everybody knows him. I have to re-recruit him. Yep. That's tough for him. How That's do you scale that business? Done. You can't. You can't. You have to find a way, and we'll get into that. You have to find a way to change that. Yeah, yeah, and that's actually exactly what Seth said in the first segment of the show. You, you constantly, not just recruiting new players, recruiting your own players, just trying to keep them there. It has absolutely changed, and we're pulling back the curtain for you on college basketball. As we get into the Final Four this weekend, Seth's going to get you ready for it. Who are the key matchups that you need to pay attention to? That will be coming up next after Jay has this from Cintas. You see, today, people expect a new level of clean, Alan. Cintas provides a wide range of essential products and services air that dry help clean. businesses. No, no <laughs> air dry and clean. Services that help businesses keep their facilities and employees clean and safe. Cintas will keep you well stocked with essential supplies like face masks, hand sanitizer, gloves, and thermometers. Cintas will also hygienically clean and deliver your uniforms. How great is that? Cintas also helps you protect employees and customers with first aid, safety supplies, and fire protection services. CentOS helps you open your doors with confidence every day. Learn how CentOS can help you keep your businesses clean and safe at CentOS.com. Get CentOS and get ready for the workday. The madness. The Bulldogs will inbound and they'll dribble it out. And the quest for perfection moves to the final four. The Westwood One NCAA Radio Network. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Alan Hahn, Seth Greenberg, kicking it with Jay Will. The college basketball season has reached tournament time, and that means Wendy's Wooden Watch has announced the final ballot. Go to ESPN.com and search Wooden Watch for the list of Wooden Award nominees. You have Gonzaga's Corey Kispert. You have Baylor's Jared Butler among the five finalists. The John R. Wooden Award presented by Wendy's. All right, with the final four this weekend, you guys ready to do uh, one of Seth's green lists? Ooh, I like the play on words there. Is this the real green list? <laughs> That's up to Seth. He's the I one mean, that decides whether it's a legit green list or if it's just like, you know, off the shelf green list. What are we doing here? Is this an exclusive? Oh, very exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, there's, there's, a lot of people won't figure this out, but I, you know, I think we need to start. I won't call them breakout players, but interesting players to watch in in, in the tournament, like UCLA. Jaime Jaquez. He's going to be matched up with Corey Kispert. That's going to be one of the most important matchups in that game. But Jaime Jaquez is an interesting guy because. He's 6'7", a lot like Kisper, can shoot the threes physical. He's going to play into his body. He rebounds the ball. He's going to put up numbers across the board. He's going to be an interesting guy to watch during the course of, obviously, this tournament. And then Jalen Suggs, I, I put him on this list because, you know what, he's just fun to watch. Yeah. The guy is Jason Kidd. I mean, that's who he is. He makes passes that very few people can make, left-handed, right-handed, in the lane, his leadership, how he's immersed himself in, in the culture of Gonzaga basketball, like, to me, here's a guy, he's not worried about the draft. He's not worried about being the first pick or the second pick. You know what he is? He's got both feet in, and he's trying to be a winning player and help Gonzaga win a national championship. Uh, John Giroux, I mean, let me tell you something. This dude is the best defender left in the tournament. Hmm. The guy is ridiculous. Now, here's the big problem. Who do you put him on? Hmm. You're Kelvin Sampson. Think about these numbers, and I'm not a crazy numbers guy. He's holding the other team's leading scorer in the tournament to nine points, shooting 25% from the field. Nine points, 25% from the field. He's 6'6", he's long, he's athletic, he gets deflections, he can protect the rim, he rebounds the ball. Uh, But here's the thing, when you play against Baylor, you're playing, do you you put him on Mitchell? Do you put him on Butler? Do you put him on Macy Oteague? Because I'll tell you one thing, Butler and Mitchell, they're two All-Americans, haven't let him in scoring in the NCAA tournament yet. It's the any number of those five guards, and then the last guy is, is Davion Mitchell's. Just he, he's 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 ridiculous. I mean, both ways, defensively, offensively. So, you know, I think that's going to be uh, going to be interesting. Davion Mitchell's a guy that can get the ball anywhere he wants, anytime he wants it. 
Uh, he's got now he's shooting over 40 from the three. As a team, Baylor shoots over 40 from the three. Uh, he is really, really good, and he's physical, and he's tough, and he, his ability to guard the ball. And I, Jay Will and I, we always joke about back in the day, he didn't guard anyone. Yes, he did guard people. And he had a little bit of you, Jay Will, in him. He's got a bulldog in him. Mm. Like, he puts a, draws a line in the sand. When he's challenged, he meets that challenge. So those guys are kind of guys that I think could put up huge numbers, more importantly, impact winning. And then matchups. I think the biggest matchup in the UCLA-Gonzaga game, if you want to watch one matchup in the game that's going to determine the game, it's going to be Cody Riley and obviously Drew Timmy. I mean, you know, Gonzaga shoots 64% from the two. That's a sick percentage. They score 50 points a game in the paint. Drew Timmy's footwork is absolutely ridiculous. And Cody Riley, he did a great job on Hunter Dickinson. He's got to do a good job on Drew Timmy. He's got to defend him early. He's got to be able to move his feet. He's got to get a little help, and he's got to defend without fouling. Because one thing about Timmy, when he starts to drive it, he he does a great job of pivoting. Look for I think I think that uh, UCLA is going to go and double him on the bounce because every time he drives it left, he spins back right. Mm-hmm. And I think once he puts it down, I think you're going to see a second guy come flying at him. Uh, that's my gut feeling. And then. Dejan Giroux, like, I'm just looking forward to any – whoever he's guarding. I'm interested – I think he's going to guard Mitchell, which I think is hard. I, I'd ask you this, Jay Will. The hardest guy to take the ball out of his hands and just red deny him, mm-hmm. I think, is a point guard. Like, I, shooters – right? Like, like if guys off off the ball, like what he did to Bud, Buddy Beheim was ridiculous. All right? I mean, like – but a guy that starts with the ball, Jay Will, like, can someone stop you from getting the ball – well, and, here's here's a problem too, you know, for a guy like Maceo, because uh, he, you know, this guys or Davion, they, they get rebounds, right? Because they're guards. Yeah. One of the things that Seth and I always talked about is when you have guards who crash the boards to get rebounds, it's hard to pick up on one individual because you're you're off to the races. Yeah, yeah. Like you're you're just running. Mm-hmm. So it's uh it's very, it takes a lot of discipline yeah. to every time a shot goes up to automatically stop, survey the landscape of the court, and be like, where's my guy at so I can get up in front? You, you lose people in transition. I, I do want to go, Seth, and t- talk to you very quickly about UCLA and Gonzaga. The spread is Gonzaga minus 14. 14. Minus 14. They've been beating and this teams is, by 15. This is what I'm more. talking about. I, I know that Mick Cronin, Seth came on our show the other day and said that you know it's a combination of a little bit of UCLA and, and splash with their offense, but it's more Mick Cronin-style defensively to have from Cincinnati. But if that doesn't show you how much of a high-octane offense that Gonzaga has, that we're now in the Final Four, and we're talking about them going against one of the top defensive teams in this tournament, that they are minus 14, it goes to show you how talented they are. Oh, it's ridiculous. Look, 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 Gonzaga gets off the bus and drops 90. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, the, the pace they play, they get a shot up every 14 seconds. So you get the, the third fastest tempo in college basketball against the 319th fastest tempo in college basketball. It's identity. Who can impose their identity on the game? But you know, there is a game plan. Like, here's the deal. I mean, I, I, we're going to have this argument on game day. Here's They're playing the game. UCLA's going to try to win the game. UCLA beat a number one. <laughs> They beat a number. They beat Michigan, who a lot of people thought was the best matchup against Gonzaga. They beat Alabama, who plays up and down. They beat Michigan State, who's a physical team. They beat BYU, who plays fast. Like UCLA's going to show up. We're going to have a game. Like people say, oh, it's not going to be a game. They got no. They're going to show up and they're going to compete. And they, no one thought they were going to be here, but you know what? They are here. 
So they're going to try to own the tempo of the game. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that's going to be the focal point. They can't turn it over. They can't take bad shots because those basically bad shots are basically start the fast break. They, they, it, a bad shot and a turnover is connected to your defensive transition. You take bad shots, all right, you turn it over, and you know what, Gonzaga's running it right down the floor. They can own the tempo of the game and get him in the half court and defend Timmy early. And then they're going to have to have a guy step up. Is it going to be Johnny Juzang? Is it going to be Jaime Jaquez? The key to guy, though, I think is Tiger Campbell also has to be able to keep Suggs in front of him. Now, Tiger Campbell, the job he did against Mike Smith against Michigan was absolutely phenomenal. I said, you t- cut off the head, the body will follow. And what, what, what UCLA did against Michigan is they took out, they took out Michael Smith and they took out Franz Wagner. The, the challenge for Mick is, right, who do you have to take out of this game? I think it's going to have to be Suggs. And I really believe it's you know, obviously up front you got to deal with Timmy. I think they've got a good matchup at the four with Kispert. I think Haquez and, and Kispert, they have a good matchup where they don't have to overhelp. But those two matchups, at the point, can Tiger Campbell just keep Jalen Suggs out of the lane? Keep Jalen Suggs from picking them apart with his size and his vision? And then can Cody Riley, with some help, stay out of foul trouble and force Timmy to go sideways rather than to go all that drive, spin at the rim, lay it in. He's got to stay down on those old, those up and unders. He's got to wall up and keep him in front, move his feet and get some help. Like UCLA, there's a path for UCLA to win this game. I mean, Bill, he's going to disagree with me. And, and, you know, that's what makes a great conversation. But, like, they're playing the game. And Mick Cronin's spending hours putting together a game plan. And I talked to Mick for about 45 minutes yesterday. They have a plan. And now can they execute that plan? Will Gonzaga have a game that maybe is not their very best? Will they not shoot it well? Uh, will they get frustrated if it's a slower pace? I mean, there's so many things. Will pressure come into play? I mean, there are so many things that can come into play. But the last time I checked, the Final Four, there are four teams. There are two games. And UCLA's in one of those games because they earned their way into it. They played their way into it. They beat a one and a two. They beat a tough physical Michigan State team. They beat a BYU team. And you know now they have the opportunity to do something special. Okay, and, I'm glad that you build up both games. Now tell me who's going to be in the championship game. Right. Give me your final predictions. Well, just tell me, tell me it's going to be Gonzaga and Baylor. For it's all that be, talk, yeah. you just gave me about UCLA. It's going to be Gonzaga and Baylor. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Gonzaga, <laughs> Baylor, yeah. And, and Gonzaga, Gonzaga. You just gave me enough without saying <laughs> yeah, enough. I mean, it just, it, yeah, I mean, you're, 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 I mean, again, you're, you're just trying to qualify the fact that UCLA is going to be there and they're going to try to play. But as we know, everybody's tried to do that against Gonzaga and they have failed so far. It would be a shocking <laughs> upset to see it happen minus 14 but Gonzaga will be in the zone versus UCLA get in the zone it's brought to you by AutoZone get in the zone AutoZone so <laughs> you would argue then UCLA clearly has the toughest path to a title what would be the easiest path well you know Gonzaga's had the easiest path uh in terms of to get to the final four I mean if you look at who they've beaten I mean it's it was it's not even close I and mean, they've had the easy and they were they earned it by being the overall number one and that, that's, that's what you get when you're the overall number one. You should have the easiest path. And there were some upsets that, that helped them have the easiest path. Uh, you know, Baylor has probably had the second uh, uh, easiest path. But ba- Baylor, Baylor is, I'll tell you, now that matchup against Gonzaga would be a fun one to watch. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Seth, can I ask you, you don't think Houston has? I mean, uh, Houston has played against a double-digit seed. Every round, yeah, but they're number two. I mean, like I'm, I'm saying, we got two number ones. Okay, I mean, you know, the number. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, like everyone. Gonzaga was by far like to start the season. Everyone said it was Baylor. 
and it was Gonzaga. So, I mean, if they were lofty at that perch above everyone else, then, you know, you've got to hold them to that standard that they should be that much better. I mean, I don't think a lot of people really believed in, in Houston. Mm. And I think about how Houston built this team. Transfers, defense, and rebounding. Shocking. Look at Kelvin Sampson <laughs> at Indiana. Look at Kelvin Sampson at Oklahoma. Look at Kelvin Sampson at Washington State. That's how he's built his teams. They play harder than anyone maybe in the tournament. They're going to rebound every single shot like it's a pass off the backboard, and they're going to try to take away the other team's best player. That's that's kind of who they are. They are relentless. And this is this is going to be a backyard brawl because two Texas teams with a lot of Texas guys that play against each other during the summer, This that game will be fascinating. What we're hoping is on Monday when we're talking about it, though, it will be the game we're looking forward to, right? It would be Baylor-Gonzaga would be that – that game that we hope we're setting up for, Seth. I think that's what would be the the ultimate ending to, of course, a tournament that has been very exciting. Seth, we appreciate the insight. It's always great to hang out with you for a while. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Bye guys. Guy. Appreciate it. Enough. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. From March Madness, we return to the NFL offseason and free agency and what's going on in New England. As we heard from John Mara, the Giants coach, earlier this week, We also will hear from Robert Kraft, the Patriots owner, on what he's expecting from his team. Coming up. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Keyshawn, J. Will Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and more at Progressive.com. Mike Reese joins us right now, our ESPN Patriots reporter. And... I guess the first thing we should do here, Mike, is just listen to Robert Kraft as he's talking about what is the big story. And maybe it's always been the big story with the Patriots. It hasn't changed even after Tom Brady left. But talking about the quarterback situation with his team, not just going forward, but also from this past year. I think we have a situation where we have, you know, at this point in time, we're trying to do what the best thing for us is and I think in fairness to Cam I'm not sure he had the proper weapons around him last year and then he got COVID and there were a lot of things that happened and I don't know that Jared is 
ever really gotten a fair shot. So we have to wait and see what happens. Good did morning, Mike. Say, why did he bring up Mike? Jared's name? Yeah, did he just bring up Jared Stidham's name? <laughs> How about that, Alan and Jay Will? I mean, so so just for context on this, I mean, Robert Kraft always does a Q&A with reporters at the NFL annual meeting. So this is sort of tied to that, like an annual Q&A. And it's the first time we've heard from anyone from the organization since early January. Bill Belichick did an end-of-season news conference. We, we haven't heard from anyone since then, since Tom Brady went on to win the Super Bowl, since they re-signed Cam. So here we are. And to me, that was Robert Kraft saying, all right, right now it's Cam Newton, it's Jarrett Stidham, we might even give him a chance, and then we sort of wait and see. So some support behind those two, but also still acknowledging there's questions to be answered. I got to ask you, Mike, but I've seen so many of these mock drafts that have came out. It used to be the Patriots are going to take Mac Jones with their pick. Right now we're seeing Mac Jones go potentially three to San Francisco. Now it's like, oh, the Patriots are going to trade up to try to get a guy like Justin Fields. There's always a quarterback that is involved in these conversations, but yet we just heard Mr. Kraft talk about Jared Stidham. Like, how yep. is I, – I, I'm so confused right now. <laughs> it, does, it does get a little confusing. Um, so here, here's the thing. First of all, think about this. The Patriots haven't selected a quarterback in the first round over the last 27 years. Like, for context, there's only one or two other teams that have had a longer streak. So that, that would be very much out of character for the Patriots to take a quarterback in the first round. Of course, we know why. Tom Brady was there for so long. They had Drew Bledsoe before that. So start with that. One other thing that Robert Kraft said that we didn't hear in that clip was he put his support behind Cam. He mentioned Jarrett Stidham. But he did say, we do need to solidify this position for the long term, and there's still the draft, so we'll have to wait and see. So he sort of left all the options out on the table for us and didn't really declare one way or the other which way they're going to go. Okay, so I listened to the sound yesterday, multiple times yesterday, and then again this morning, and it continues to lead me to think, was that a shot at Bill Belichick? I mean, it's, Mike, he is the reason why they were in this position where those guys didn't have weapons around them to a degree. So, and and I can see why some people might look at that. And, And I didn't necessarily view it as a shot as much as, like explain why they went and spent record money in free agency. Like March 15th, you can start negotiating with free agents from other teams, and they go guarantee $165 million in contracts, NFL record, and which almost matches, by the way, the price that Kraft bought the team for wow. in 1994. And I think what he was trying to say is, like, we know this isn't the best way to do business, but here's why we did it. We didn't have a lot of talent on the team because of some struggles in the draft, and we viewed it as a unique opportunity with the cap going down, having cap space, with fewer teams that we're competing with to try to sign these players, and with better players on the market because teams couldn't retain their top players because they were crunched for space. So I think it was more that than a shot at Bill Belichick. If you wanted to say maybe a challenge Mm. to Bill Belichick, I could see that because the drafting has been not to their standard in recent years. Mike Reese joins us right here. KJZ, ESPN Radio, Alan Hahn, Jay Will. 
Talking Patriots, and you know, if we're talking Patriots and talking quarterbacks, there's always that feeling of regret. And now that the 49ers have moved up in the draft and look like they're going to look for their next quarterback there, and they say, oh, no, no, Jimmy G's not going anywhere, but there's always that for now qualifier. How much interest is there, or at least in the background with the Patriots, keeping an eye on that situation to perhaps maybe bring Jimmy G back in, in the fold? Alan, I, I think the way you worded it is perfect based on you know what I hear from the team is they're keeping an eye mm-hmm. on it. I don't sense that they're aggressively pursuing it right now, but they'll keep monitoring it. And basically the situation in New England is they have Cam and they feel like that if they need to go into the season, like they'll go in with Cam and Jarrett Stidham and maybe a draft pick. But they know they have to answer the, the question for the long-term, quarterback of the future. And Jimmy was their quarterback of the future when they traded him in 2017. They just thought the future was going to start earlier than it did. Mm. Tom Brady just outlasted mm. that succession plan. So if they could bring Jimmy back at a, at a reasonable price from their view, that is something they would entertain. I think the question is, what is a reasonable price? And maybe in the, the 49ers, five months from now, their situation changes, and they feel more comfortable with whoever they pick at number three, turning the team over to them, and maybe that price comes down, and we look at that situation a little differently. Mike, I need a quick answer here because we're about to go to break, but you, know, you mentioned the word regret, and you said that Tom Brady has outlasted what they thought of, of a quarterback in that position. Do you think there's regret there from Bob Kraft about letting Tom Brady go? Jay Will, I asked him point blank that question. He said no, and he said he'd make this deal with any player that plays 20 years for the Patriots and helps deliver six Super Bowl championships to let him experience free agency without the franchise tag, which they could have placed on him, but they elected not to. Did he blink? Did he blink why he said that? Because if he blinked, he's lying. He's lying, Mike. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if I believe that. It's a bigger story if he said, yes, I do regret it. There you go. <laughs> no there you go. <laughs> hey, Mike, great to catch up with you. Thanks, uh, as always. Hope to catch up with you soon. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Jay Will. Mike Reese, covering the Patriots. Always See, a big story. Always something going on there. I think he has to regret it. Maybe. I think he has to know he has to regret that. Well, you see Tom Brady every day corralling superstar, like making a team into a championship contender, doing it a different way. You're happy for him. I'm not saying that you're not, but you're seeing him hoist that trophy at the end of the day. There's so much regret to think about, though. You heard what Mike said also about Jimmy G. He was supposed to be the heir apparent. Then that got uncomfortably because Tom Brady didn't fade, didn't fall off the cliff like Max Kellerman was predicting for many years. It didn't happen. So because of it, you had to make a choice and they chose poorly. Perhaps. Max also did say that um, Kawhi Leonard was more clutch than Kobe. So let's. I'm just saying. Just press the I was just using an example. And I love Max. You're the guy that attacked him. I didn't. I didn't atta- attack. Is a very aggressive. I feel word. like that was like a passive aggressive attack. Well, sort of bringing up another mistake. There made. you go, being a great teammate again, Alan. I'm being a great teammate to Max, fellow New Yorker. Feel like that was an unnecessary shot. What? Well, I'm trying to stay. We can start labeling his now? mistakes if you like, or we could talk about a mistake you made this morning on social media that we probably have to discuss coming up next.